for the great music, the blessing of tonight already, uh, the biggest little church in town right here. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of weird uh, doing this. Uh, I feel like uh, my friend Tom C., who was asked by his uh, uh, loyalty foundation at the university where he has uh, season tickets, if he would be willing to buy a cardboard with his picture on it, so on the five seats that he has on season tickets. So put a cardboard picture of him on the on the seats when they were having the football games. And I was thinking, why didn't we do that here? We, we, it would have been good to be able to look at these faces. And unfortunately, I can't look at your faces, and I'm having to look at a camera. And it's going to be a little bit of an awkward thing until I kind of get into the rhythm of it. So uh, pray for me and be, and be patient with me, if you would. One thing I'd like to uh, share with you is about the origin of this uh, conference or this uh, summit that we're having, uh, we started looking at having our national conference every two, two years. But we had these affiliates, these people out there that were not necessarily in our regions that were kind of isolated, and we wanted to pull them together. So we actually had it reserved to have this summit at the beautiful physical location at uh, Shepherd of the Ozarks here in the Ozarks. And, um, and of course, with COVID coming along, we had to change that. But we wanted to continue to touch base and, and to reach out and touch you people that we don't know you personally, but we want to get to know you. And we want to support you and what, with the way that the Lord is calling you and, and drawing you near to him. And this is our effort to try to pull us together and head in the same direction. In order to head in the same direction, we need to look at something that is extremely valuable to us. And I'm going to unpack it, the reason why it is very valuable to us. Now, Brian had asked me to hit some on some four points in my part of this talk tonight, and that is how did the Ministry of Influencers start, why did it start, how did it expand, and what are some key milestones? Now, I'll get to that later, but I want to go back to this word or this acronym that we use, DNA, because we say it a lot, DNA. And I, I, I would imagine that most of you have seen a lot of commercials, Ancestry.com uh, and all the others, and they're talking about DNA. Know your DNA. Get the swab in the mouth and know your country of origin. And I looked at that and, and I realized, and I'm kind of interested in it as well, and I know some folks that are doing that and they're finding excitement that they're European or they're African or they're uh, Native American and the blending of it. But ultimately what they're asking is, who am I? Why do I do what I do? Why do I look like I look? And so I think people are interested in that. 
I, I would hate to do my DNA and find out what I know is true about my DNA, and that is on both sides of the family, it's pretty obvious that my DNA goes back to Vikings. And that's not necessarily a good thing, especially <laughs> if I'm coming before you and talking about the love of Jesus, because that's not something that's natural with a Viking. But I believe this about the DNA characteristics that we think that we are bound with for life. There's, there's something about that old man that can be replaced. And it's that DNA that I want to talk to you about. The spiritual DNA that I see in Scripture and what I believe is what is the core of what this ministry is all about. I think it's truly relevant for Christians because this spiritual DNA will override the other characteristics that we have in the flesh, the body, our past, and those things that make up who we are. So I'd like to first of all start with this scripture that points to this spiritual DNA I'm talking about. It's found in Hebrews 1.3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint of his nature. What does this mean? Well, it's not the physical DNA that we're talking about. You know, I think that there was a movie that uh, that Da Vinci Code that it was trying to prove that Jesus had a child and, and they were looking for the DNA down to wherever to try to prove something there. But it's not the physical DNA of Jesus this is talking about. This is talking about the DNA of his nature. This is... This is Jesus being the exact imprint of the nature of God. So what does this mean? It means this. If we know the Son of God, if we really truly know the Son of God, if we really get to know and experience the nature of God, we do, through, do so through the nature of Jesus. In Jesus, we see the nature of God. And that's good news. Because those of us who have asked Christ to come into our life, that he has become Lord of our life, then, and we're getting to know him, then we're getting to know the nature of God. And we know this about his nature. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. He's a kind and tender God. He's a God who cares. He's a God who knows. He's a God who's willing. He's a God who is able to be involved with all the aspects of our life. And it's built on this great foundation of grace. He knows us. He loves us. Because that's his nature. But as good as that news is, there's, there's even better news than that. We find it in 2 Peter 1. Verses 3 through 4. Here's what it says. 
His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. You get that? We become partakers of the divine nature. Now, what does that mean? It means ordinary, regular men and women are given the invitation and the ability to have this, the spiritual DNA of Jesus, the spiritual DNA of God to be imprinted on us. And in doing so, our flesh nature can undergo a transformation process that takes us to the nature of Christ. And this is how an old Viking descendant can be transformed into someone who is growing more to reflect the values of Christ. When I did this study, and, and by the way, I, there might be some doctors on here. There some, can, can be some people of science, and I can hear them say now, you're getting out of your lane, buddy. And I might be getting out of my lane. And when I'm talking about DNA, I'm not a, I'm not a physician. I know nothing about it, but I'm interested. And as I was looking at that, I also noticed there's, there's genetics. And you have DNA, and then you have genetics that come to DNA. And DNA is what, how we look. This is our structure. This is our hair. This is our eyes. This is the coloring. This is where our ancestry plays in there. But the genetics has to do with our behavior, the way we think, the way we act. And there's genetic imprints meaning that ancestors before us and the things that they did oftentimes surface in our lives. And we make decisions based on how we were, it was modeled before us. We don't know why. So that's not new, new, new news. 2,600 years ago in Exodus, it writes that it's written that the sins of the father are visited to generations that follow. Because the truth is, is that these characteristics will make us up, make up our flesh and the way we deal with life and the way we deal with people. But I did discover this when I was looking at that study. They said, but there is a pivot character. A pivot character is a person who says, yes, I had an abusive father. I had an abusive parent. I had wounds of my past, but it stopped with me. I will not be an abusive father. I will not be as I was. I will be as, in other words, I am determined to change my life. But the problem with that is willpower can go just so far. We can discipline ourselves. We can will it out. We can try to make it happen, but when we get under pressure, we'll fold. I know. The old Viking has come out many times. But the encouraging thing to me about what this says about Jesus, that Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God 
That means the behavior of God, the way God deals with people, the way God deals with you and me. And what I'm told here is this nature can come into my nature. How do I know this? Well, most of you know the invitation Jesus gave in John 15 to his disciples to abide in him. And you know that this is the key mission of this ministry. Everything we do flows through this and goes out of this vital connection that we have with him. This is the heart of the DNA of influencers. The three pillars that we're going to talk to you about, leadership, the journey, and, and expansion flows out of this DNA, and this DNA flows out of what I've been talking to you about, the transformed life. The transformed life comes in the abiding relationship. The abiding relationship is close proximity with Jesus. And listen, there's only one way to true biblical transformation, and that is by being in close proximity with Jesus Christ. It can't be programmed. It can't be by willpower. It can't be, by, it can't be taught. There has to be a transfer, a supernatural transfer. And when Jesus said, come and abide in me and you will bear fruit, and one of the first fruits that is born in our life is a transformed life, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, the things that are listed in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is actually the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, which is the characteristics of Jesus Christ, which is the divine nature. And the fruit of the Spirit can be ours as we abide in Him. And that is what we see about this ministry. We are seeing people that are coming into close proximity with Christ, and it's creating a culture and the culture is raising up leaders who become messengers, and messengers are in turn reaching their world. And that has been the rapid growth of this ministry because Jesus is working through our lives. That's DNA. That's the DNA of this ministry. The other thing is this ministry is an organism, not an organization. And an organism, an organism if, if you keep it healthy, it will reproduce. When it's not healthy, it will not reproduce. So the first thing we have to do is we have to keep the organism healthy. And the way we do that, we always go back to rule number one, which is abide. And if we get down to rule number two and we forget that, we go back to rule number one, abide. That's the heart. That's the DNA of this ministry. And you are fruit of this ministry. You are a fruit of leaders before you who got that message and embraced it in their hearts, and they, in turn, have reached out to their world around them, and it has gotten to you now. And you, too, will be like those people. Then when you learn to abide in Christ, when you live in close proximity with Him, you, too, will begin to see the nature of God showing up in you. We've seen it mostly with wives telling us about their husbands. They're the first ones that see it.
So we are invited in the second Peter verse to come and partake of the divine nature. And when we do, then we'll start seeing things like Jesus showing up in our life. And that creates credibility. That is the light on the hill that Jesus talked about. That's what impacts the world. And this world right now needs that impact more than ever before. And I'm sure you'll agree with me on that. So that's why it's essential that influencers protect this DNA because it's who we are. It's how we do ministry. It's the message of our heart. It's the message of Jesus' heart to us. It's a love language. His love invites us in. And our love goes running to that place of proximity. And our lives are forever changed. So back to the questions. How did influencers start? Well, 2001, I gathered seven men. And I was at the point where I knew that God had been showing me this thing about proximity through John 15. I had discovered that several years before I was putting into practice. I was beginning to see the transformation in my own life. But one thing's true about a disciple. You can't be a disciple unless you're making disciples, but you can't make disciples unless you are disciples. So I was taken through a process of learning this, but at the same time, it can't stay put there. And I asked these seven men who were businessmen, um, that I'm on a spiritual journey. That I know that there's more of God that I, I need and there's more of me that he wants. And they agreed it was the same with them. And I said that I, I, I would ask you to meet with me for a year, two hours every two weeks. And let me ask what he wants to say to us, but I think I know what it is. I think he wants us to go to this place of proximity with him. I don't know how we're going to get there, but if you'll trust me, I'll seek him. So they did. And we started meeting every two weeks. And between those times, I had this massive download that he began sharing with me step by step about the process of identity. That I had to identify him as, a, as a, an intimate God not just a God way out there that really doesn't care anymore, just got it going, wound it up, and backed away. Some people think that. He's an intimate God. And we need to know that about him, because if we don't know that about him, we'll be afraid of him. And truthfully, most people are. Until they discover that he's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And so that was the first thing that God showed me is that we've got to deal with the enlightenment aspect. We've got to reprogram these boys. They've got too many false narratives about me. They don't understand. Maybe you don't either. So I want you to get to know me there. And then we progressed every two weeks. There was more download, more download, more download. 
And by the time we got through the end of the year, there was uh, an amazing thing happened. All of us were experiencing an amazing transformation. We knew that we had gotten close to him. And I told you that if it's a true organism, it will reproduce, and it's not something man can force. I didn't have to. Those men came to me afterwards, and they said, Rocky said, this is bigger than you think. And I want you to give me your notes. And we want to build our own groups. So I, I did. I released them, and they were, they were <laughs> primitive. And through the last 20 years, they've been refined a lot. And it was real primitive starting out, but it worked because the basic tenets of the way it is now was downloaded in 2001. So that's where it started. And out of that group of men, uh, they became the foundation of the, of the board. And then from that point on, we began seeing expansion that went out further. Uh, we saw it go to California first, and then it jumped over to Egypt, and it jumped over to different parts of the world, translated into different languages, traveled there to meet with people. And one thing, the eye-opening experience about all of that is I was seeing Arabic and Portuguese and, and Spanish-speaking and all the different cultures out there, but they had all had the same core needs. Because what has been given is not to this man or to select people in this region, but what has been given is to God's family. And we feel that it's so important for us to expand this message out there, to, to get this message out so that we would be able to be faithful to what we feel our king has told us, and that is to go and make disciples and teach them what I've taught you. And I'll tell you the thing that's changed our life so much is the fact that he's invited us to intimacy with him. And we've gone there, and we've seen what's happened. Our lives have been rocked. How did it expand? We've been chasing the Holy Spirit on this thing uh, for the last 20 years. We have never had the vision to go build an office in a city and go here, there, and the other. We've, been, we've simply seen it life on life on life and then be invited there, and then we see that people are already waiting. The invitation was stirred in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. We were just the messengers, and that's how we see ourselves now. We're just messengers. And, and we want to continue to keep our head on our shoulders that way too because we're not trying to grow this ministry large. We're trying to grow it deep. We're trying to let the true fruit that Jesus promised be the result of the abiding relationship that the message of intimacy with Christ that we bring to people, that that will prove itself and we know it will prove itself. We've seen that. That's been the secret of our expansion is staying with the DNA and letting it reproduce as the Holy Spirit works in lives. 
And I tell you, this is something man can't do. There's not, this is something, a, a ministry led by men. We cannot do that. But it is a movement. It's a movement of God. And it's a timely movement. I think we've been raised up for a time such as this. I think the world is in calamity. I believe our days are numbered. I believe there will be a great harvest. And I believe God is raising up laborers. And a laborer is one who's able to reproduce themselves. They're able to lead somebody to know Christ and to disciple that person and then to help that person in turn to disciple others. And the organism grows. That's the church. That's the church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago. In many ways, we've forgotten. But he's bringing us back to it. And we're seeing the results. What are some key milestones? Well, uh, the translation projects have, have been big. Uh, just seeing the interest that we've seen from different cultures, different languages. All of us are learning to love broader than we've ever loved before and deeper. Uh, I think some of the milestones in me personally is to recognize that I'm no longer an orphan, that, I, that I've been adopted and, and that I want to receive my sonship fully. And I think there are more and more men and women in this ministry that are recognizing that they, they've been adopted, but they've been living as orphans. And I think it's been a milestone here recently that God has given us that emphasis to tell them that they're no longer orphans. Tell them to come in and live with me and dine with me because I have much to give them. I have a lot of love to give them. And they are worthy of my love because I've made them worthy of my love. I think some other key milestones is Brian Craig coming on board as our executive director. We were a very small ministry, and we are still a very small ministry with a very large footprint. And the reason why is because our ministry are you people. Our ministry, the real ministry of this are the guides, the one who build groups, the one who gather people to help them go through the journey. What we do is support your effort. What we do is support the Holy Spirit's effort in your life. And now we're getting to the point we are able to be a little bit more organized than that because we got a man with gift of organization there. A big milestone has been the way our structure has been developed with our global board who have godly men that are on that board. And by the way, most, most of them are generally successful uh, in what they do, but we've told them all along that we're, we're not asking you to be on this board because you're successful as a businessman. We want you here because you're a godly man. We want you to lead with your faith. And we're going to be checking up on you all the time. And our key question is, how's your soul? Because why? DNA. Because soul health is what is producing outward that which is going on inward. 
So we're always going back to this DNA we talk about. The look of Jesus. The heart of Jesus. I pray that that will continue to be our future. So what I want to do, I want to ask Brian to come up here now and what we'll do is try to uh, continue this conversation as we often do on a podcast. And I like it because we never know what we're going to say. <laughs> this might not work here. We'll give it a shot. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, we were talking about some different questions. Well, let's see. They're saying my mic's not on. It is on. Bear with us, people. We're working out these technical. There we're good are. now. All right. Okay. A minute ago it was on and it wasn't supposed to be on. So, <laughs> um, so Rocky, uh, when did you first realize that there was a there was a, a strand of DNA in what we were doing? I mean, I, I was I was around fairly early in the beginning, and I remember I remember a few, a few things. I remember everybody around here thinking, "Well, it's got to be this way." Like, for example, you got to go through a journey before you can guide a journey. You know, yeah. and you were always the voice saying, wait a minute, who says that, you know, and how we're going to expand and all that. So when, at what point did you realize there was a certain strand of DNA in, in the way we should do things? Well, the, the first thing is uh, there's form and function. And I knew that in, when I was in the business world. And function is something that's non-negotiable. Form is flexible. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the DNA of our ministry is non-negotiable. That's the heart. But the form is the way we do it. And so as an example, we're doing something here we've never done before. We had to flex this form mm -hmm. to try to take the DNA, the DNA message of what we're trying to do here. So uh, the, the, the first thing that I guess to answer your question is I, I felt like God was bigger than our plans. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like sometimes that we try to overmanage things and we don't give the Holy Spirit enough room to work. And, and again, going back to the DNA, and that is, what is the best way for a leader to be able to lead? And that is to be led. Right? Mm -hmm. So if we have a, a leader that is trying to flesh it out on his own and trying to make things happen because he's a good guy and he just wants to prove something, even for God, it's not going to accomplish anything other than what a man can do. But I didn't want to accomplish something a man could do. I wanted to be a part of something that only God could do. Mm. And so it was pretty clear to me, and that is, look, let's, we can flex our form, but we got to keep our heart non-negotiable. And, and I think that that's why I gave everybody permission, let's try some new things. Mm. Stay true, but let's look outward and see what God's doing here. And, of course, you know, Brian, when we go to Egypt and we have groups over there, it's going to be different than it is in northwest Arkansas. <laughs> you go to California, it's different in northwest yeah. Arkansas. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Memphis and Tulsa and all around. And, and it's going to be regionally distinct, and it's probably going to have to flex according to what gathers people. And that's flexible, and that's form. And if it works, it works. But you've got to keep the DNA. Because the DNA, well, that's the secret. That's the anointing. Mm. Because the DNA 
of this abiding in Christ is what I believe has caused him to anoint this ministry. So that's why we have to protect it at all costs. Well, you know, I think I think one thing I've noticed that most people struggle with is all the, and I've led 17 journey groups is is trying to work their way to God. They think they got to perform to earn God's love. And then and then the journey, I think they learned that, no, it's just about being with them. And he if you get out of the way and trust him, he'll work more through your life than ever. And, and but then some of these same people start getting into leadership and then they start thinking they got to be different. We think when we get in leadership, oh, we got to well, we got to drive the ship. We got to we got to push things forward quicker, faster, bigger. And then, you know, you're always saying start small, go deep. So so wouldn't you say that's all connected? I mean, the way we the things we learn in the journey is the same. The way we operate our boards are everything. Well, does this kind of sound like genetic imprinting here? Yeah. Where people are doing the things that business tells them to do it or their families tell them to do it or it's just the way it's been done through the ages. Mm -hmm. And yet this thing about the exact imprint of the nature of God and how that nature, when it comes into us, changes the way we look at things, mm -hmm. the way we look at people, the way we get things done. You know, Jesus said this. He says, come to me, you are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that's a two-animal yoke he's talking about. Mm. Not one. There's two. And if you get the picture of what he was saying, you get in that one and I get in that one. Your burden will be light because I'll be the one that does the heavy lifting. We oftentimes flip it around. We take the burden because we think it's up to us. The truth is it's up to him through us. And that's the connection. Mm. That's where John 15 comes in. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you will not bear fruit. Mm. You know, uh, everybody's talking about, since it's an election year, and we're not going to get into politics, <laughs> but... Uh, Everybody's talking about how we're going to fix the country, how we're going to make things better. And, you know, I think we we believe you change hearts. You take people to that abiding place. And you, you were talking about transformation. You're talking about fruit. What, what are some examples of, of the things that you've seen happen in people's lives that would make this country better? I mean, things that you see that, I mean, I mean, if we just keep doing what we're doing, it'll help start, fi it'll start fixing some of these problems in society. Well, ethics... I think uh, I think that that would go a long ways. That, that I believe when we walk with Jesus, then we have an ethical north star there mm -hmm. in dealing with people, uh, in dealing with circumstances. Um, there are Judeo-Christian principles that have been around for many, many, many years that have guided us and have proven to be very uh, beneficial to success. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest things that's missing right now in this world is integrity. Oh. Um, there's so much lying out there and, and cheating and everything else going on. And I believe if we could begin to simply treat other people better, you know, be a good neighbor. And that's not a commercial. Jesus said it first, right? <laughs> to love your neighbor. And, you know, this, this whole concept of our relationship with him always, is, it, it begins here, but it bubbles up. You know, Jesus had this beautiful picture about it. He said that 
He's the living water. But then he says that you will be fountains of living water. Mm -hmm. And a fountain bubbles up and cascades over. It has to be filled and it cascades over. And that's the end result of our intimacy with him is that it's going to bubble up and it's going to reach out to our world around us. And I say our world, it might not be the world. My spiritual gifts and, and my contact might not go to India, oh. but it could go to my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And who knows, my neighbor might go to India. But the point being is that our world is the sphere of influence is right around us. And, you know, as a man, I think the first thing I have to look at is my wife, Sally. She's my first priority of influence. I want to undergird her and love her like Christ loved the church. And then my children and grandchildren. And then, you know, the first thing I have to do about all that, though, is I have to keep my own soul healthy. Because if my soul's not healthy, then I'm not going to be able to help anybody. My fountain has got to be filled up. So this is the priority is that first is nurture and protect my soul and then nurture and protect my spouse and nurture and protect my children and then embrace my world around me with a sacred responsibility. By the way, I think you've heard that in the journey, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, I've thought, I've thought if every Christian man just focused on their family and, and really pressed into helping work on being a spiritual leader of their family, imagine what would, that would do for the world, you know, just that alone. Well, you know, all you have to do is look at the number of broken homes. I know. And, um, and absentee fathers. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd fix a lot of things if you, fit, if you fixed the American family, wouldn't you? Yeah. But I think you fix a lot of things in America if you fix the church. I think the church has to start there. We have an accountability, uh, stewardship of our time of life, our resources, um, to live our life to God's honor and glory and to point the way to him. I, I mean, there's a steward. He's invested time in us. He's invested in us a life. And we're not just a put it aside and be slowful with it. It's to be well reinvested. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we begin to discover things about him and ourselves that we never knew. And we actually become, he starts transforming us into the man or woman that we deep down long to be, mm -hmm. but didn't know how to get there. And that's the amazing thing about the transformation of Christ is that it's what he has in mind. And it's not limited to our DNA and then our genetic imprinting of our parents or our grandparents or the generations before us, because this thing with him is a new deal. That's the true transformation. That's the nature of God that begins to override the nature of Rocky, the old Viking. <laughs> I want to ask you uh, to explain uh, about a couple of years ago, we did a 40 day prayer time and it was right after Easter because it was 40 days from the time uh, he rose from the dead until he ascended. And uh, so we had a, a daily prayer time and we had a prayer wall in our office and we invited everybody around the country to join us. And uh, one of those times you had a real powerful prayer time and you, and you, you shared it with me and you were kind of hesitant to share with me, but you, because you just, it was just really a big deal though, but you just, it was a picture he gave you. 
of being on a mountain and all that. Would you explain that a little bit? Because I because I think he was giving you a picture of the future of this ministry. Okay, I got a lot of people already saying I write, I write weird books, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Is Gabriel, all those questions. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I say they're allegories based on personal events and personal people that I've known. And that's one of them, that there was a, an outgrowth of that that, that became a, another book. Mm -hmm. And that is the uh, Beyond the Inner Chamber. Right. Yeah, you talk about it in there. That's right. And, 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 I, and listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a, some kind of mysteries person. I'm just an ordinary guy. I love the Word of God, and I, I take it to heart. But he speaks to me. He talks to I seek him. I seek him, desperately seek him. And, um, and if you seek him, you'll find him. That's the one thing you need to understand. You seek him, you'll find him, because he wants to be found. And, um, and so it was during that 40 days of prayer that we were dedicated every day to try to seek him more so than ever. We, we, you, you had set the ambiance of the room such, and there was a little music there, and we had prayer board, kind of a war room type thing. Mm -hmm. we, and we were just had 40 days of, of, of resurrection prayer is what it was, because he was on earth for 40 days before he ascended. And we always celebrate Easter, and we generally end it at Easter, don't we? And I'm thinking, wait a minute now. There's more to this story. <laughs> And so I wanted to tap into that, and that's why I recommended. But little did I know that, it, that he wanted to get to me. And and you know, it was in the it was in the course of, of one of those days I was praying that I just felt like I I was on top of a mountain, and 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 uh, and I was looking down over a plain, and I felt like I, I was seeing in the far distance cities and roads leading from that mountain to those cities. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, build roads to those cities and bring them back to this mountain to be with me. And it resonated in my heart because I knew it was DNA. <laughs> the DNA was, he was saying, I want you to show them what I'm showing you. That I'm an intimate God and I'm here waiting for them. Show them how to climb that mountain and come and be with me. And that's what the journey's all about. It's a journey to that intimacy with Christ. And, um, and so a lot of my, my books, all of that, those books have been written, I think, by inspiration. Uh, truly, I do believe I, I'm not capable of writing. And I feel like that he has given me that kind of communication with him to see a story and then try to describe it. But it's always connected with solid scripture. Yeah. And it's very important that, that we do unpack it from and see the scripture in it. It's creative stories. And the reason why is because a lot of times the truth is missed because you hear the same thing over and over and over. It loses its impact. But when you have human interest and you have life stories and human drama, and you're applying those same theological principles to those things, then all of a sudden people connect. And that's how God gave me the stories and the mm. books. Mm. So um, 
I mean, I know you've talked about it, but I mean, you, I know you believe long after you're gone, you're wanting me and others that will come after me that if we, we've got to protect this DNA, because yeah. if we lose the DNA, you feel like God will take his hand off this ministry or, or it'll just fizzle out or whatever. I mean, I know you feel that strongly about it. Yeah, I do. Explain I do. why. Well, I know that I couldn't do what I've done had it not been that he doing it in me. And I do, I don't believe our ministry to this point could have done what it's done unless it were he doing it through us. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any of us could be where we are if we were not true to our pursuit of Christ. So everything that we do has the starting point toward him and the saturation of that intimacy with him. And from that, it moves out of our life to our world around us and our world is getting to grow. It's growing, growing, growing now. And we're going from a little regional ministry here to a national and international ministry. And it's growing exponentially. Hmm. And I think it's because he's taken it that way. Now look, if we ever think that it's us doing it, yeah, he'll prove it <laughs> to us that no. <laughs> and, that's, and I know that. Mm -hmm. And I knew that all along with me. I knew that, mm. that I couldn't, I couldn't lose my head or my bearing. I had to keep my eyes on him and understand that he could pull his hand off of me if I, if I, if I forgot that. Mm. He'll love me. He never, he'll never revoke that love. But I would lose the greatest opportunity in the world, and that is to serve my king and to feel his pleasure. And I want the generations that follow me and you and all the generations that continue, praise God, a hundred years from now, this ministry is still making disciples and showing them how to walk with Jesus mm. and to come into close proximity with him. Mm. And it's, it's a holding everything loosely, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you've talked about Corey Tim Boom saying you, you, we have a closed fist and you can, you can open it up or he'll pull your fingers back a little. By, by oh, little. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, control is illusion anyway. Yeah. But being under his control. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do is we have to, we, there are certain principles that we have to, we have to protect. And the DNA principle is, is high on the list. Yeah. Again, everything that we do starts there and radiates out of there. And if you lose that, you lose your foundation. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rocky, for, for kind of setting that up. I love what you said about the DNA, and we're definitely recorded that. We're going to share it with other people, but that was really, really good. So thank you for setting it up. Thank you all for joining us. We love you all.